Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and His eternal kingdom with Earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. I'm Wendy Scott, and it's nice to have you. I hope today's uh, show is a blessing for you. And so we'll just begin with prayer. Um, Jesus, just thank you again. We're having a stormy week, and Lord, there's all kinds of storms that come into our lives, whether they're physical or spiritual, emotional challenges that come our way, just just things that we have to take care of that we're maybe in a a frenzy to to deal with. And Lord, I just pray that you come and you calm our storms, that you uh, be that beacon of light to lead us through, and that you settle our hearts. Help us to keep our eyes on you, um, to go about and do good, to help others, Lord, and to be a blessing, and most of all, to shine the light so people will come to you and to know you, um, even in the midst of whatever we're dealing with. So we just want to surrender these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, we're continuing to witness the most volatile times in world history as the entire world is embroiled in crime, violent attacks on citizens, on Jews around the world, tumults and uprisings around the world, challenges to sovereignty, the expansion of socialist Marxist regimes. We're seeing that like in South America and all across Africa and different places, and the overturning of world order around the world. We're seeing the destruction or undermining of citizens' rights, war, threats of war, plans for war, nation attacking nation, and nations destabilized and unrest. And it's happening daily. The news isn't giving us all this information. You have to go hunt for it. And the young people today don't know that this is news, a new phenomenon. It's a tremendous escalation in the global volatility. And the rest of the world would rather normalize this global upheaval than consider what it really means. And it means that the world is full of violence and the mind of humanity is evil continually. It means that the days of Noah are upon us, just as Jesus said, and that the world would rather go on eating and drinking and being merry and going about their lives than to recognize the time of his return for the church is at hand and that the great tribulation shall come suddenly upon the earth. Just as in the days of Noah, they thought, oh, everything's fine. Look at that crazy guy, Noah. What's he building there? Oh my gosh, there's a rainbow. (laughs) Speaking of... Speaking of Noah uh, and his covenant, his promises, and the flood was was uh, came suddenly upon those who were skeptical, who didn't want to know God, who didn't want to follow God, and they didn't see anything different going on. And that's what Jesus warned about and his soon return. And so, friends, here's some of the crazy things these globalists are doing this year, right now. And uh, first of all, the most productive farming region around the world are being shut down by government agencies and denied basic rights for water or normal farming operations. And these places such as France and the Netherlands, which is actually one of the most productive farmland regions in the world, and all over Europe, this is happening. 
And this past week, angry farmers in France protested with huge blockades and enraged farmers from all over Europe protested in Belgium at the EU parliament, setting blazes, marching and creating blockades. It was really crazy. And maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't see. And it's all because of the crackdown governments are having on farming. (laughs) Not to farm. They don't want them to farm anymore because of climate change. And so we're all going to go hungry if this continues. And some of the same government taxes tactics are infringing on California farmers. They're implementing it here, of course, because that's our um, that's our government and the view that they hold. It's a globalist view, and uh, the whole country relies on the things that we grow in California. And so we've got this coupled with Bill Gates and other giant conglomerations, many of them foreign, buying up enormous swaths of farmland in the U.S. So globalists can take control of the food production and supply. It's happening globally all all over the place. And uh, in South Africa, the government who brought charges to The Hague ridiculously against Israel recently for genocide, accusing them of genocide against Hamas. You're trying to kill off Hamas. Hello. Yes. <laughs> kill them off and or to um, get them to stop or move out. And so uh, South Africa itself is actually permitting the genocidal murders of white farmers all over the country and putting in in jeopardy their own uh, food production for political reasons. And so we've already discussed the UN's plans for this year, coupled with the World Economic Forum, the Council of Participants, and the global elites plotting to run us like startled cattle through the global shoots of crises into the world government slaughterhouse. And so uh, the plan is that this May, May of this year, for all U.N. member states to sign uh, over all global um, to sign the global health agreement, uh, giving the WHO full governing authority over all global health crises and putting our own sovereignty in the hands of Tedros, if you don't know, who's the Ethiopian Marxist the head of the WHO, and he's not even a medical doctor who has ties to terrorism and human rights violations against his own people as the Ethiopian health minister. This is the one. He's received millions of dollars from China. He failed to investigate the Wuhan COVID outbreak. This is the one who will have sole power, along with the UN backers, to declare a global health crisis and tell the world what it must do in response. And so that's about to happen in May. And also this September, this September, the U.N. state members will sign agreement giving all uh, full U.N. authority uh, to the U.N. to declare any global crisis and dictate the global response. The U.N. governing authority, like the EU, is not elected by citizens, but hand-selected by the elites of the world and imbued with this dictatorial power. And so they're going to do that. This is happening this year. And everyone will submit to it because that's the plan. That's what everybody wants to do. And the members of all the entities involved say it's unstoppable. It will happen this year. And the U.N. has already announced the implementation of global identification, vaccine passports, and the intention to move completely off of cash into eventually digital currencies. And we see nations around Europe and even the world already implementing such measures and nudging citizens into digital platforms for all their payments, identification processes. We've been talking about this, right? By the way, apparently the main globalist guru, the head of the climate change response, King Charles himself, has just been diagnosed with cancer. So um, maybe it will cause him to repent of his evil intents. I don't know. 
but notice that these agreements must be implemented this year, 2024, which is the target year. It's been set by members of the globalist institutions since at least 2020. They said this year, this is the year we have to do this. And the reason for this, Donald Trump. Members of the World Economic Forum, as evinced by one of their key leaders, Yuval Noah Harari, this past year, or in January, blatantly admitted to the roadblock that Trump poses to these plans, and therefore the need to keep him out of the White House. And imagine how much pressure there is to keep Trump out when the entire one world government agenda hinges on it. So they're not messing around. And friends, they can't let him win the presidency, and they know it. So recall how Trump withdrew the U.S. from the WHO when he was in office and he stopped funding it. And he's threatened to withdraw from the U.N. and is now considering kicking the U.N. out of the U.S. entirely. And so he simply withdraws funding from all of these globalist um, entities. And there you go. They can't win. And so um, they can't let him win. They can't let him win because he will he will change the entire globalist plan if the U.S., is not taking part of it. And you can see they're doing everything short of assassinating him to prevent it. And so they're enraged that they fumbled the handoff to Hillary and didn't take Trump seriously. They tried to sabotage him in the White House and impeached him twice to try to keep him from running again. And then we see back in uh, when 2020, when they unleashed the COVID crisis, just as Anthony Fauci predicted two years before, if you don't know this, he, he predicted two years before that, quote, this administration will, would see a global pandemic before the Trump presidency was over. Gosh, how did he know? It's so weird. And so they used the pandemic to shut down the nation in 2020 and then change voting procedures to lengthen the voting period and introduce mail-in ballots in key states. And then when their spiritual coup is complete and they've taken over the reins of government, these satanic globalists, as I've said before, opened the 117th Congress uh, of our representative government January 3rd, 2021, with a prayer dedicating the government, those who represent us and thereby America, to Brahma, a demon. So the coup was complete. And so we know how things have been going on ever since then. And so they cannot let... Trump into the White House. And that's why 2024 was a target goal for implementing the WHO and the UN as a global authority so that it's in place before the November elections and it can't be undone. Moreover, in order to pull off this this year's COP, World Economic Forum and Global Governments and other related meetings have discussed a few problems that they believe needs to be addressed. And so that's the topic. The topics of this year are, first of all, the definite concern about disease X. Did you hear about disease X? Well, let me explain it to you. It's a potential unknown pathogen 100 100 times more deadly than COVID that could strike at any moment, although it does not yet exist, supposedly. So when it comes, it'll be another fulfilled prophecy, I suppose. And then the second top priority is really is their top priority, as they discussed in all their meetings this year, is the threat of global misinformation and disinformation. And so these entities suggest that more unity and media messaging will be needed, as well as censorship to make sure that there's no disinformation out there about their plans. And so, by the way, it appears that Michelle Obama appears to have filed for consideration a possible run at the White House. I know that, um, that some people have said she might hop in there. 
And uh, I guess Newsom ha- is exploring that option as well. We'll see. And insiders have begun to put it out there that Biden will withdraw before the election. So we'll see. Since the Obama administration is still in place from his last presidency, it would make sense that they would bring in his popular but angry wife or Nancy Pelosi's highly groomed nephew to switch in for the declining Biden puppet. But who knows? We'll see how it works out. There's a lot more to say, but suffice it, all these things are moving fast toward global chaos and instability in order to justify the need for a global government. Look, folks, we got to do it. We got to do it now. We got to create stability. Let's have a global government. And the world's going to fall for it because it's in the Bible. And so, friends, if you can't see the biblical prophecies materializing before your eyes, your eyes are closed, honestly. Um, So we can see all the prophecies coming together as evidence reveals that the rapture of the true church is coming soon. And thank God we still have time. Thank God we are still enjoying so many of the blessings that God's given us. He does bless us, and he ensures our path. He gives us beautiful things to enjoy because he's the blessing. But Satan doesn't want us to have those things, and we're seeing the narrowing path. And so we're going to appreciate this time that he's given us and realizing that the times of the Gentiles, as Jesus prophesied, are winding down. Israel is coming onto the scene and becoming a focus, just as prophecies said. And therefore, the rapture is approaching and the tribulation will be soon to follow. And now is the time to know the Messiah and to receive his salvation before the goodman of the house rises up and shuts the doors and you yourself are left out of the kingdom of heaven. Don't be left out. Make sure you receive Jesus as your Messiah today. Let him pay for your sins. Tell him that you want him to pay for your sins and you want to go to heaven. You want to be in his care. Make sure you tell him that and then just surrender your life to him. He is trustworthy. And so friends, fasten your truth belts as we discuss, behold, Yeshua He shall be a priest upon his throne forever. Isn't that a great thought? That's an amazing idea. And so last week, we looked at the incredible dual role of Jesus, Yeshua, who came first as the Savior, who sacrificed his life to save the world, earning him the title of El Gibor. Remember we talked about this? And in Hebrew, it means mighty or hero God. And the Hebrew word gibor is the same word used for hero in Israel today. Isn't Jesus our hero? And we discussed how Jews have largely been blinded to this dual role of their promised Messiah and have overlooked both the sacrificial as well as the eternal nature of their Messiah, according to their own scriptures. Even as Christians, we have so little understanding of the Old Testament prophecies that we also overlook the majesty and glory of God's manifold plan of salvation. It's so complex. It's so intertwined. It's so amazing. The more you look, the better it, I don't know, the better it seems, the more beautiful it is. And so the Jewish Messiah fulfilled prophecies to be the hero savior, as declared in Isaiah 9, 6. Remember, we looked at that. We love this verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. There it is, El Gibor, Hero God, actually. (laughs) The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. 
the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So it's an eternal kingdom, and it's an eternal throne for an eternal Savior. And we know that as Isaiah 53 prophesied, the Messiah would first sacrifice himself as the lamb who would take away the sins of the world. But this would earn him the glory and honor as our hero Messiah. And so if we just review Isaiah 53, you should read the whole thing. It's all incredible. But we begin at verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief, and you shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and with the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, therefore will I divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he's poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. By the way, if you're a Christian and you really want to reach out to your Jewish neighbors or friends, point them to Isaiah 53. Most have never read it. It's kept from them by the rabbis. It's left out of all the Sabbath teachings and all the readings because they they recognize that it cannot be anything but a sacrificial Messiah. And so point people, challenge them to just read it for themselves. Many have come to faith just by reading through their own scriptures in Isaiah 53. And so many Christians do not bother with the Old Testament and even discount Jewish uh, and even discount the Jewish people as integral to God's plan of salvation. Yet we see here that it is impossible to understand how Jesus satisfied God's righteous law unless we understand the ordinances given and the symbolism of their fulfillment through the law, the prophets, and the writings of the first covenant to Israel. And that's known in Hebrew as the Tanakh, the Torah, the Navi, and the Kotavim, the Tanakh. And so we need to know these. I know a lot of uh, Christians who just don't even bother with the Old Testament, and yet that's how we understand the beautiful plan of God in its complexity. And this sacrificial role of the Messiah offends the average person because we don't want to admit we need salvation from our sins. We, we think that we're basically a good person, and that should be good enough for God. I meet a lot of people who say, that, well, I'm basically good. I don't need a Savior and, and they're in error. But the law reveals the righteousness of God and his high standard, and the New Testament vividly explains this need. And see in uh, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? That's us. We all fall short. Um, Romans six twenty three: for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Right? So for both Jew and the Gentile, the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 132 to show that Jesus must be the sacrificial um, final sacrifice for sin, taking away the first covenant, resting on ritual offerings. So the first covenant relied on these ritual offerings. And so we see in Hebrews 5, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 5, Therefore, when he came unto the world, he said, Sacrificing and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Right? Jesus came in the flesh. Verse 6, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I've come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. This is the Messiah speaking. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first covenant that he may establish the second. Verse 10, By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And so we see that the first covenant with Israel was pointing to the way to when the second covenant would be given through the sacrifice of the Son of God. The Jews largely largely reject this as a new religion altogether, and so reject Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah, because they believe their Messiah will not be a dead man, but a conquering hero. And they overlook the prophecies that reveal the Messiah will live again eternally, and that after his sacrifice, their Messiah will receive glory and honor and dominion over the earth in his millennial kingdom, as prophesied in Psalms 89 and Psalm 2. And we see, it says in Psalm 89, verses 19, Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said, I have laid help on one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. By the way, mighty again. There we go. Hero. I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. That's the Messiah. Also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. His seed also will I make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. See, it's an eternal throne. Psalm 2, 6. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, You are my son, this day have I begotten you. Ask of me, and I shall give you the heathen for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. That's the millennial reign. And then we see in Zechariah 6 something remarkable. It reveals that the Messiah will also eternally fulfill two roles, to be both king and priest. As this is the prophecy spoken to Joshua, the high priest, in Zechariah 6, beginning in verse 12. So the, the high priest's name was Joshua. Listen to how it's, it's written. And speak to him... Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man, Joshua, Yeshua, whose name is the branch. So it's like prophesying that the Messiah is going to be Yeshua. Anyway, and he shall grow out of this place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory of it. He shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. So a man whose name is the branch shall be this one who satisfies, who's both a priest and a king upon his throne. And we see the Messiah's dual role and his eternal nature in Psalm 110 as a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110.1, 1, 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make my, the, your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of your enemies. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek means king of righteousness. You, uh, the Lord, at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. So the Messiah will officiate as the eternal priest and mediator between God and man as the one who offered himself, whereby he absolves our sins by our faith in him. And he's also the eternal king ruling from the throne of David over all humanity as the heir of the world, which he purchased with his own blood. And so we see that the Messiah sacrificed himself and as a priest rules over the earth also as a king, as a conquering hero. And so we, we know that the, that the Messiah has this eternal nature, that he is both king and priest. And so we must come to him and let him offer those priestly sacrifices on our behalf and to rule and reign in our hearts as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And someday he shall establish his eternal kingdom. If we trust in him, then we'll be a part of it. And so, friend, make sure if you haven't devoted your life to the Lord today, let him be your priest as a reconcile between you and God and let him be your king of your heart. And until next time, we'll pick up on some of these things. God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. 